There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I'm 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I'm Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, Davy Crockett. I'm Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. September 13th, 2023. It's a rockin' Wednesday. Let's go. guys how's everybody doing out there today it is don q on the mic here rocking on the ones and twos the next up is uh, uh yeah yeah all right guys i'm not gonna dilly dally around here we're gonna get into the business real quick here we go here we go all right guys please once again it's that time talk about the detom store guys make sure whatever podcast app you're listening to this on number one please make sure you're following the show and then, uh, most importantly, or as importantly, make sure you're sharing this with your friends, uh, like-minded, unlike-minded, whatever the case may be. If they need to hear this, please let them hear this, and then have them also follow the show. And while you're on that podcast app, guys, if you scroll down there where it says DTOM Store, check that out. Click it. Look at the stuff that's on there. Uh, if you use promo code DTOM, you'll get 10% off. Limited time, guys. I'm about to close shop. Um, I talked about this on the last show. It's $30 a month to run the shop. Everyone's looking at it, but no one's buying shit. So if you don't like what's there, cool. Throw me some suggestions. If you got an idea for a shirt or something, send it my way. I'm serious. I'll give you credit. I mean, I'm not I'm not making a whole lot of money off this stuff. I'm being legit when I tell you this. So um, check it out. If you have some ideas, check uh, hit our email up at uh, DonQ. At don'ttreadamerica.com. You can send it straight to me. I'll look at it. I'll read it. I'll get back with you. And uh, throw you a bone on the on the suggestion on, on the podcast here. And, uh, yeah. Also, guys, if you are on social media, we are Don't Trade on America on Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Talker. Just uploaded two new videos on the Ticker Talker. Kind of. One's a funny one. and One's a new drink recipe. 
So check that out. And uh, if you want to learn how to make a, a fun summertime drink, I know where some people live that listen to this, it's not necessarily summertime, and that's fine. In Florida, it is. So check that out. Follow us there. If you're not on social media, that's fine. You can find us at DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Subscribe, follow, like, share, rinse, and repeat. All right? <laughs> All right. So... I'm going to get into a subject that God and everybody else is talking about. So here we go. I, I've i been doing this show now, either by myself or with Chris. You know, Chris was with me from the get-go. And uh, he's still somewhat a part of the show. I mean, he contributes. He sends me stuff occasionally. And then he gets mad if I don't use it. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> his microphone's still here. He could be sitting his happy ass right here. But no. Anyway. Um... So it's a one man show. So I've been I've been thinking about doing this show for two and a half years. We started this show in January of of nineteen eighty two, January of twenty twenty, just after I think it was maybe it's just before his inauguration, and uh, you know. I've I've done tribute shows to 9/11. I've not talked about 9/11. I've talked about doing a conspiracy show about 9/11 and I haven't because everyone else is doing it. So, on that note, if you are listening to this show, okay? Now, I've said this time and time again. I am by no stretch of the imagination a professional podcaster. I'm just a dude with a full-time job and a part-time podcast. I'm just sitting here rambling on. Like most people, there's millions of podcasts. I would say the majority of those podcasts, and this is legit, are just people like me, whether you're a male or female, and no matter what side of the aisle you're on. If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're a socialist, if you're a communist, you know, whatever the situation is, there's millions, literally, a podcast and around the world people are doing podcasts and i would say like i said most of those people are just regular schmucks like me and you they work a job they crack a mic open they might stay somewhat consistent and do one show a week two three four five ten you know whatever maybe they do one a month you know whatever whatever their whatever their schedule allots them so i'm going to say something to all these people that do podcast if you happen to do a podcast and you're listening to me right now if you are going to consider yourself a conspiracy theory podcast, okay, and you're going to go down the road of a conspiracy theory, whatever that conspiracy theory is, <laughs> and I'm just a dude that wants to listen to a conspiracy theory podcast to see what people are talking about, what kind of, what kind of direction are they going with their conspiracy, whatever the subject is. I mean, obviously, today we're going to talk about 9-11, but... I'm li- I listened to, I don't know, three or four different ones the last couple of days just to kind of get some ideas, you know, steal shamelessly, right? And uh, and then I have some information. That's what most of this show is going to be about is the information that I have. I haven't really heard anybody talk about this. Skimmed over it a little bit, not really delved into it. So this will probably be a two-parter. Um, the first part being about what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, then we'll go into my theory as to what I believe happened. And I'm going to touch on a little bit in the monologue here. 
and I say monologue like a throw down. I literally just wrote a sentence to talk about how I believe <laughs> this and and finish with how I think it happened. So that's my monologue. So it's going to be right off the brain, guys. Get ready. Anyway, whatever your conspiracy is, I mean, there's literally shows. I don't, I don't front this show as a conspiracy. Welcome to Don't Tread on America, the conspiracy theory show for the mass. I don't do that. This is Don't Tread on America. We talk about conspiracy theories. We, we've done plenty of them. You go back, listen to our DTOM files. We've talked about Bill Cooper. We've talked about different entities of conspiracy. But I also talk about things that are affecting us here in this country and, and abroad. Not even necessarily because a, a lot of the details or issues that I talk about on this show isn't necessarily just an American thing. If you live in another country, whether it be Canada, over in Europe, or Russia, I mean, we're heard all over the place. You can relate with what I'm saying. So don't be offended by me. America, America, America. You know, I get it. Everyone's going through the same shit. But nonetheless, I don't, I don't front this show 100% as a conspiracy theory show. However, like when we would do the DTOM files, shows, generally me and Chris could come to a consensus of what happened. Now, I've gone off on a limb on some wild conspiracy theories, okay, uh, as in who I think killed Kennedy. If you don't, if you want to hear my opinion on who I think killed Kennedy, go listen to the Deton Files JFK assassination. You know, I have a theory on the moon landing that's out of left field. I'm, it's a conspiracy theory. So, the, here's the beautiful thing about conspiracy theories: you can kind of make up whatever the fuck you want, okay? And I try to make up, <laughs> make up. I try to come up with what I'm, what my thought process is, based on. The facts that I see. So if I listen to a bunch of different podcasts on whatever the subject is, or I read a bunch of different articles, or I'm scanning, or I'm going on Twitter, or X, or whatever it's called, and I'm doing all these different things, I don't say, oh, this guy is saying this, I'm going with that. I, I take a little bit of that, and then I take a little bit of this, and I come up with my, with my own ideas. Now, if you're running a conspiracy theory podcast, and you're listening to me right now, don't contribute what you're saying. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to a conspiracy theory uh, show. And let's just take the moon landing, for example. Well, I don't know. You know, it's hard to believe that we could get to the moon. But now, you know, we can't get to the moon. Or we do this and we do that. But I believe it. I believe it happened. They said it happened, so I believe it happened. No, no, no. Here, here's my whole thought. I'm, I'm 50 years old. Okay? I was not alive. Uh, when JFK got killed. I wasn't alive when Bobby Kennedy got killed. Okay? But I can have an opinion on both of those situations because of the information I can find. Okay? And here's the problem with conspiracy theorists. And this is all I point to is those two situations. Especially JFK. If you are told, or we're told, the, the, the narrative is Oswald, Kennedy, shot, head, boom, done deal, right? That's, that's what we're told. But it's coming out more and more that that's not necessarily the case. Um, it's coming out that president after president then ha that should have, the allotted time has gone by, that they could release the facts of the case, but they haven't. 
which builds on the conspiracy theory of the government being involved. So, and then we talk about, even if you think back into the 70s, granted, I was a child, but we've talked about, um, you know, the Tonkin Gulf, and we've talked about red, different red flag situations. At the time, when people in the 70s, or even Pearl Harbor, or uh, the, uh, shit, I can't think of what it's called, but the, the, the thing, man, that, uh, fuck, I can't think of what it's called, but anyway, when, when people say, oh, that's bullshit, that's, that's not how it happened. I think the government was involved to get us into a war. I think they let Pearl Harbor happen because it got us into World War II. I think they lied about the talk in the Gulf, or the Gulf of Tonkin, so it'd get us into Vietnam. At the time, if you had those thought processes, you were labeled a nut, a conspiracy theorist, a kook, a crazy, whatever. It's, you know, but as time has gone by, we have been told that, not necessarily. So if I want to have a thought on 9-11, who's to say I'm wrong? I mean, we'll, we'll never know. I'll probably never know before I'm dead what actually happened. Much like people that were alive when uh, Kennedy was killed, JFK, even if you were a conspiracy theorist, which is what a lot of people were labeled during the Warren Commission and stuff because they had thoughts, they labeled these that's when that term was invented by the cia um generally if someone's going to call me that I, I think i'm closer to the truth than than a falsity but i guess my my whole point to this is this if you if you're going to run a conspiracy theory podcast no matter how outlandish your bullshit theory is fucking run with it <laughs> and then don't be afraid to say things and that's the beauty of someone like me, this is just in my opinion, I can get on here and give you my opinion, my theory, conspiratorial or not, and who's going to be the wiser? You guys can take it and run with it. You can take it and look up your own research to see if I'm full of shit or if I'm close to home and maybe you want to add to the conversation. If you do, check us out. You can message me if you're following us on Facebook or Instagram or uh, Twitter at dtom underscore 1775. You can message the show. If you want to email me, it's donq at donttreadonamerica.com or you could subscribe to the the, uh, the thing, man, the website, <laughs> donttreadonamerica.com. All of those entities, you can you can send me shit. If you have an idea or you or if I'm missing something, send it my way. We'll talk about it when I finish, the, when I finish this situation. But there's a lot of people I was listening to a podcast and for the life of me, I can't think of their name. So I'm sorry, but whatever. And it's two guys that I've never heard of before, but evidently they're comedians. Um, so not to say they're not famous of some sort. I just don't know who they are. And they're from California. So you can kind of tell by the way they talked about things. They lean a certain way, but whatever, but they wouldn't say the thing that needed to be said. Because they're probably, and I'm not dissing on them because, you know, you know, whatever. At least they're out there giving it a shot, right? But they're probably lower level comedians. And the only reason I say that is because the one guy says, oh, I was out in Arizona doing a show. But, you know, one evening I didn't have anything to do. So I went ahead and signed up to my uh, Uber Eats. I don't remember what he called it, but Postmates or whatever it's called. And did a couple of jobs delivering pizza and food and whatnot 
So obviously you're not a top tier comedian or even a mid-level comedian if you're having to run Uber Eats. And I'm not cracking on you, you do you. But my point being is this. These, pe- these two guys would not say the things that needed to be said because I believe they're afraid that if they go out on that limb that they're going to be labeled some way and it's going to affect their future endeavors in comedy. So if you're a com- if you have a profession of some sort, whether you're a comedian, you're a, you're a, a sports, you know, uh, football, baseball, whatever player, uh, you have a radio show, you uh, you do something that makes your money, and you just podcast for the hell of it, right? Don't go down this road of being a conspiracy theorist, or don't be controversial, because you can't you can't be involved fully in your endeavors because you're worried about your career so that's my my speech to you guys now let's get into some shit all right so um my thoughts on 9-11 real quick i'm just going to give you a brief outline okay now you'll hear depending on what you've listened to what you've read what videos you've seen what whatever You'll hear a lot of uh, America, our government, was involved. Now, I'm not going to say that that's not true. Of course, I can't say that it is true because I don't know for a fact, but I'm not going to deny that that option. Where I'm going to deny our government's involvement in 9-11 is the fact that we were solely, solely responsible for 9-11. And, and the reason I say that is because of what I'm going to talk about today. And you've heard the theory of holograms and CGI planes hitting the towers. And you've heard um, just different entities that would, that would enable that the whole thing was 100% our government's doing. Whether it was CIA, FBI, whoever. And, and I'm going to say that you're not 100% wrong you're not 100 percent right but you're not wrong and here's why so there was there was a thing <laughs> started in 1999 it's called able danger project able danger now like i said around this time of year you get a lot of different tributes oh it's been 22 years oh god you know help the people that died and blah 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 and we'll get to that this predates 9-11 Okay, Project Able Danger. Okay, was a classified military planning effort led by SOCOM and the digit uh, digital Defense Intelligence Agency. It was created as a result of a directive from the Joint Chief of Staff in early October of 1999 by Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Hugh Shelton to develop an information operations campaign campaign against transnational terrorism. So, hold on. Mm. See, when you talk about this kind of shit, you really got to get deep into some whiskey. Anyway. According to statements by Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer, of those four, uh, and, and those of four others, Able Danger had identified two of the three Al-Qaeda cells active in the nine, uh, 9-11 attacks 
uh, the Brooklyn Cell linked to the blind sheik Omar Abdel Rahim Rahman, I'm sorry, including 9/11 leader Mohammed Atta and three of the pl- pilots of the 19 hijackers. So let that let that simmer real quick. So here's a project led by United States Special Operations out of Tampa, oddly enough, and the DIA. So this was the the military's version of the CIA, okay? And the whole point of this was to find terror cells, not necessarily in this country, but in this country, in Mexico or Canada or wherever, Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever. And it wasn't necessarily a situation of a uh, minority report where we're just going to go ahead and arrest these people because we have an idea, a sneaky uh, suspicion. It wasn't about that. It was just identifying these people and then listening to the rumblings, so to speak. If it it is said, now, I I don't know if this is in this article I'm going to read here, but for a fact... The only reason we even know about Able Danger is because of Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer. Okay, now he's been blackballed by the military because of this. And um, <laughs> it's amazing to me, in all honesty, that he's not dead. I mean, in all honesty, because any government um, knowledge of Able Danger has been erased Okay, you're not going to find this on a government website. You're not going to find it. I mean, you can find it if you look for it, but it's not going to be a .gov type situation. So in December of 2006, a 16-month investigation by the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee concluded that Abel Danger did not identify Mohammed Atta or any other 9-11 hijacker at any time prior to 9-11 and dismissed other assertions that have fueled 9-11 conspiracy theories. The Senate Judiciary Committee first attempted to investigate the matter for the Senate in September of 2005. The Pentagon ordered five key witnesses to not testify. According to Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Arlen Specter, he says, that looks to me as if it may be obstruction of the committee's activities. So... You're having a a committee hearing on this group. Five of your top entities were told not to testify. According to Mark Zaid, representing Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer and the other four able danger employees at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing in September, uh, he pointed out to the committee that his clients have been forbidden by the Pentagon to testify at the committee. He also discussed the Defense Intelligence Agency's uh, decision to suspend Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer's security clearance shortly after it became known that he provided information to the 9-11 Commission on able danger. Based on the years of experience, I can say categorically that the basis for the revocation was questionable at best. So here's a person that the DIA SOCOM entrusted to lead this effort. And I would almost say to the point that Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer is a patriot in the sense that he wanted to get the word out on this situation 
and it was nixed by powers that be. Now, was it Bush? Was it Cheney? Was it the deep state? Was it, I don't know. Um, and here's the interesting thing about this. The, the program used data mining techniques to associate open source information with classified information in an attempt to make connections among individual members of terrorist groups as part of its original intelligence prepare, preparation of the battle space. The objective of this, blah, 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 of this particular project was an assertion whether the data mining techniques uh, and open source material were effective tools in determining terrorist activities. And if the result data could be... I love how I'm talking about stuff and there's a helicopter flying overhead. That's that's nice. <laughs> Used to create operational plans that could be executed in a timely fashion to in, uh, interrupt, capture, or destroy terrorists of their cell or their cells. According to statements by Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer and those other four, Able Danger had identified two of the three Al Qaeda cells active in the 9/11 attacks: the Brooklyn cell. I just read all that, so I'm not going to read it again. Uh, and, a and other possible members of the Al-Qaeda cell, Al cell linked to the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. This theory was heavily investigated and researched by Republican Representative Kurt Weldon. Now my phone's listening to me. Kurt Weldon, <laughs> Vice, <laughs> Vice Chairman of the House Armed Service Committee and uh, Homeland Security Committees, which actually didn't, well, it probably did it, at this point in 06. DIA leadership had already ordered the hurried destruction of mined data, source databases, charts, and result documents on entirely suspicious, spurial, spurious legal grounds. DIA also prevented key personnel from testifying on both to both the Senate uh, Judiciary and Senate Intelligence Committees through after numerous denials did admit the program's existence. So prior to us actually knowing about Able Danger, it was you had these five gentlemen saying we exist and we knew this. You had the government saying these people don't, they're not a part of this. This, this thing doesn't even exist to the point where they destructed, they wiped out all the work that these guys had done to find these particular terrorists they wiped out. Well, they wiped it out. Now, this is after the fact. This is in. This is five years after 9/11. So you got to think. If you're one of these five gentlemen, I'm assuming it's gentlemen, but nonetheless, if you're one of these five people, you probably had some kind of heavy weight levied on you, because you knew prior to 9/11, a year prior to 9/11, that something was afoot. There was rumblings. There was, there was, they had the information. They didn't necessarily have a date, a time, but they had an idea. They, I shouldn't even say idea. They knew who, number one, but they had an idea of where. Um, and when they, when they ran it up the chain, they were dismissed. So after the fact, after 9-11 occurred, you got to imagine that these people felt some sort of way like could you imagine having a a premonition of something happening okay 
And then you don't do anything about that, but then that thing happens. And especially if it's a bad thing, you're going to feel like a piece of shit. These people were high enough and secretive enough that they knew something was going to happen. And then when it happened, they were probably like, what the fuck? We told you. Why? Why? You know? And then when they kind of became whistleblowers, so to speak, they were silenced. I mean, they weren't killed because I guess that would have been too obvious. It's not like we can't put it past the government or to kill people when they have things to say. So, I mean, it's kind of like Bill Cooper. Like, we did a show uh, a couple months ago and uh, on William Cooper. Bill Cooper, he was a radio personality. He was not a, like a big-time star, but he was like a regional-type thing and very much a conspiracy theorist. And he had projected, I think it was April of 01, I think it was March, April, somewhere around there. He, he's on the air saying, this is going to happen. You know, Al-Qaeda, he's naming names. <laughs> Osama bin Laden it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks I mean his timing was off but he had the names he had the players and he had the <laughs> I think he even said World Trade Center if I'm not mistaken so not only did he have the names of the players he had the location his date was off but he had the names now I could speculate and it would make me wonder how he found out that information did one of these five guys people leak it to him just to get the word out to get the ball mo- moving maybe i don't know i do know this that after 9-11 occurred three months after 9-11 occurred bill cooper couldn't shut up about 9-11 which he shouldn't have guess what happened to bill cooper he was killed because he knew things that he wasn't supposed to know he knew about everything I'm talking about right now. I feel fine talking about it. I'm not worried about it. Who am I, right? Bill Cooper knew things that I'm probably still don't even know. And but he said it. He if you go back, you can listen to his air. It, it oddly enough, you can still find it. And uh you know, they shut him up. Now, there was <clears throat> there was very there was v- very many. There was a lot of different terrorist cells that they found. You had the Brooklyn cell. You had the Blind Sheik. You had the uh, the Hamburg cell that was in Germany. Um, <laughs> you know. This was back in 98 into 99. So over the next two and a half years, dozens of Al-Qaeda operatives, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the reputed 9-11 quote-unquote mastermind, passed through the Hamburg cell apartment, which was 54 Marinstrasse apartment. 29 Al-Qaeda recruits from the Middle East or Northern Africa listed this as their registered address. Mohammed Alta or Atta would later be labeled um, after the fact as the ringleader of the 9/11 terrorist who hijacked four jetliners used to blah 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 blah. Um, Razam bin Al Shabib, captured in Pakistan in 02, has been described by U.S. officials as the Al Qaeda coordinator and paymaster for 9/11. 
In the months leading up to the terrorist attacks, 9-11-2001, Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda terror network were under intense scrutiny by intelligence service worldwide. So over the past several years, as more and more evidence has come out, it um, has grown more and more difficult for U.S. government officials to sustain the cover story that they had no way of anticipating the attacks. As it turns out, U.S. intelligence agencies and their foreign counterparts were almost tripping over each other as they shadowed the Al-Qaeda network across the face of the planet. The FBI and CIA were tracking Al-Qaeda operatives and their activities in the U.S. and overseas. The NSA was intercepting and recording telephone calls of many Al-Qaeda operatives, including Osama bin Laden himself. More recently, it has come to light that a super-secret Pentagon operation that was known as Able Danger was also tracking and monitoring Al-Qaeda using advanced computer data mining cap capabilities. The Able Danger team reportedly identified Mohammed Atta, Marwan Al-Shi, Khalid Al-Madar, and Nawaf Al-Hazim as members of the Al-Qaeda sold uh, codename Brooklyn because of its connection to New York City. Um, so according to uh, Representative Kurt Weldon of Pennsylvania, September of 2000, the Able Danger team initiated at least three separate efforts to get its information on the hijackers to the FBI. This was a year prior to 9-11. So they could bring that cell in and take out the terrorists. That was one year before 9-11. Army Lieutenant, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer, one of the principal members of Able Dangers, Danger <laughs> has stated in interviews given in the past um, that this past August that or that past August, I should say, that Able Danger had identified five Al Qaeda cells, including two of the three cells that ultimately would be used to pull off the 9-11 terror attacks. Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer set up one Al, uh, Able Danger FBI meeting in the fall of 2000. It was canceled, as were all other efforts to inform the FBI, per orders from higher-ups in the Department of Defense. So, was the, de the intelligence developed by Able Danger of sufficient quali quality, specificity, and credibility that it could have and should have been used to prevent the attacks on New York and Washington, D.C.? That claimed almost 3,000 lives. Obviously, we don't know the answer to that question since the executive branch have been blocking efforts by Congress and the public to gain access to the information about Able Danger, mainly because it's been destroyed. This much we do know. First, the Clinton administration in 2000 and then the Bush administration in 2001 failed to heed Able Danger's warnings on Al-Qaeda. Moreover, Clinton's administration officials ordered the main Able Danger files destroyed in 2000. Bush administration officials ordered Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer's duplicate able danger files destroyed in 04. Both the Clinton administration and Bush administration have attempted to cover up the existence of able danger and its findings. The official bipartisan 9-11 commission, which is very much like the Warren Commission, let's just put it that way, was also covered up or also covered up <laughs> the existence of of this operation and its findings. In recent months, members of Able Danger team who have spoken out against uh, have been subjected to official harassment and intimidation. Considerable efforts is being expanded by Donald Rumsfeld minions of the Department of Defense uh, to keep 
all information about this operation under wraps. The first major exposure of Able Danger came on June 27th of this year. Now, this particular article, when was this? This isn't obvious. This is 05. Um, when Rep. Kurt Weldon, who's vice chairman of the Armed Service Committee and the Homeland Security Committee, delivered a 45-minute speech on the House floor outlining the nature of the operation and the data it had developed on the Al-Qaeda prior to 9-11. Since then, Operation Able Danger has been the subject of of growing controversy and intense international interest. Congressional hearings on Able Danger were scheduled, postponed, and rescheduled. Finally, on September 21st, the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee held a long-awaited hearing on Able Danger. It was a letdown. The Pentagon blocked the star witness from testifying. Able Danger team members James Smith and Lieutenant Schaefer sat mute in the audience, prevented from testifying by the Bush Rumsfeld Department of Defense. Judiciary Committee Chairman Arlen Specter and other committee members, both Republicans and Democrats, angrily accused the Defense Department of obstructing the Senate's investigation. Stung by the congressional criticism and the unfavorable public and media reaction to its stonewalling and obstruction, the Pentagon suddenly became cooperative, or so it seemed. On September 23rd, Senator Specter announced that new able danger hearings had been scheduled for uh, October 5th. And now the Pentagon would allow the witnesses to testify. However, Mark Zay, the attorney for Schaefer and Smith, said the Defense Department told him that his clients would not be allowed to testify. Mr. Zaid turned out to be correct. October 5th hearings were canceled. When the uh, new American contacted Mr. Zaid on October 5th, he expressed the hope that there would be still hearings before the end of this year. Which never took place, guys. So, what does it all mean, Basil? Okay. I think you can look at this two different ways. I personally believe that Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer was telling the truth. I think that this Operation Able Danger found these people, knew what was going to happen, and I think that's where Bill Cooper got involved because Bill Cooper was very much... A conspiracy, uh, I think I labeled him on the show, the godfather of conspiracy theories. Okay? So he had a name. Right? I personally think this is just, this is where your conspiracy theory falls into place. Okay. I believe that one of these five gentlemen leaked it to Cooper so he could put it out on the air. Um, People that that listened to Bill Cooper and was like, yeah, probably were like, oh, it's bullshit. People that know a Bill Cooper and thought he was a kook probably just thought he was a kook. Now, had, you know, Dan Rather come out saying something about uh, Operation Naval Danger, maybe a different story. So, what's, what's the point to all of this? Okay, so let's just assume Able, Dan- Able Danger was real. I've heard interviews with with Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer. He doesn't skirt around the truth about what he knows. I believe he and his group moved this information up the chain like he's supposed to. And one of two things happened. Either the Clinton, then Bush administrations played 
stupid. Like, there's no way this could happen. Now, keep in mind that Bin Laden and the Bush family, I should say the Bin Laden family and the Bush family (laughs) knew each other. Let's also keep in mind that (laughs) it's... I can't uh, pull up the payroll records, but uh, some would say that bin Laden was an employee of the CIA. So let's assume that the Bush family and the bin Laden family were friends. Let's say that bin Laden was an asset of the CIA. If those things were all true, then you could make the argument that the reason the Bush and Clinton administrations didn't do anything because they wouldn't think that one of quote unquote their own would do this. I've said this time and time again. <laughs> These people that we think are our friends, whether they're in the anyone in the Middle East, let's just put it like this. For the most part, the people that live in the Middle East, the majority of those people, especially military and government people and whatever country pick a country i don't care saudi arabia over to fucking pakistan okay and all points in between they don't like us now maybe some of the citizens might and i would say the majority of those people live here okay but as far as from a military standpoint or a governmental standpoint over in those countries they don't like us they they think that america's a piece of shit and we're poking our nose in business that we shouldn't be. You can be on their side about that, or you cannot be. I personally kind of believe what they say. How would we like it if people were poking their nose around in our business? I mean, look what the government does to us. Can you imagine what they're doing to the people over there? So I get, I get it. So <clears throat> you can't think that these people are your friends just because... You got Bin Laden on payroll, and he might be throwing you a few bones. He might just be cleaning his house up to get rid of his small-level bullshit players he's got just to clean them out. I don't know. I'm speculating, obviously. (laughs) Or was it a case of, and this is is where I'm going to kind of leave you with a cliffhanger, and we'll continue it on Friday. All right, talk to you later. No, I'm joking. If, much like World War II, Vietnam, and whatever, I personally believe that our government, our higher-ups in government, took the information from Able Danger and said, here's our opportunity. Now, keep in mind, President Bush was newly president. He only been president for like, you know, what, nine months, eight months, whatever. Uh, Cheney, vice president. These people were involved in defense industries. Was this a opportunity? Because we know war is about making money. Not necessarily for me or you, but for military industrial complex which I think is what is going on with Ukraine not to start a whole nother subject but you know what I'm saying did they take this information from Able Danger and say here's our opportunity so 
I think that they believed that this was going to happen. They obviously, I don't think they necessarily knew a date. And I think that's where you can go back to the whole thing when, when Bush was down here in Florida reading at a, at, you know, elementary school. And I hear the thing about, oh, and the kids were saying steel and plane and da, da, da. That would, that would in, in, entail that the government had something to do with it. Now, I'm not saying they were totally innocent in this. I'm not saying that this was all terrorist and there's, it's whatever you think is bullshit, it was terrorist. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I believe our government said, let's let them do it. Well, sir, if uh, these planes, if, if they are able to pull this off, here we go. If, <laughs> if they're able to actually pull this off, I don't think they helped the terrorist. I don't think they encouraged the terrorist. I think, um, and this is mainly about, and I'm in, a, I'm in the next show, I'm going to delve into the Pentagon situation. This is more about the attacks on the Twin Towers. A um, little bit easier target to hit. I think they didn't enable him. They didn't help him. They didn't encourage him. They just didn't pay attention to him. So, when the first plane hit the tower, if you can recall, if you're old enough, and they had, uh, you know, President Bush was at a whatever elementary school in, I think it's Sarasota, and he's reading a book, or people, you know, whatever's going on, and the Secret Service guy comes over, whispers something into his ear, and his he just kind of has a blank stare. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, he knew, he knew. So, maybe he didn't know, he didn't know it was going to happen then. Maybe it was a situation like, fuck, they actually did it. But there's plenty of people, and I have videos, and I'm going to play all that on Friday. And this is where I'm going to close it out. That would say there's no way possible that these planes, two planes, one plane hit this tower, one plane hit that tower. There's no way <laughs> that these steel structures, not only steel, but reinforced steel, were taken down by planes by themselves now could the planes have been a catalyst to it maybe we'll see we'll see on friday i'm gonna leave you with this and i have plenty of more on not able danger we're pretty much done with able danger was the prefix to 9-11 able danger said these people are going to do something we need to get them now no, 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 no. And I think that's kind of where you draw the line. These people ended up doing something. And I think we piggybacked off of them doing something. The question is why? And we can get into that on Friday. The question is how? How do these two planes do this? And I use the analogy of this. If you've ever chopped down a tree with an axe, okay, now let's say it's a 10-foot tree. It's not a very tall tree. Let's just say it's a 10-foot tree with a solid steel trunk. Or steel. <laughs> with a solid single trunk. Just a, a tree of some sort. And if you were going to chop that tree down to get firewood or whatever, right? Do you chop it down at the top of the tree? Or do you chop it down at the base of the tree? Okay? If you've ever chopped a tree down... And I, I don't chop a lot of trees down. I'm not lumberjack Don over here. But I know if I climbed up a ladder to chop, not necessarily with a 
uh, chainsaw or whatever, just with an axe. And I'm chopping at the top of that tree. Boom, boom, boom. What's that tree going to do? It's going to wiggle. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Right? It's going to wiggle. That's my wiggling. Wiggle, wiggle. You can't see me doing that with my hand, so I have to give you the noise. Wiggle, wiggle. Whereas if I chop it at the base, a couple good whacks with a nice sharp axe, that tree is going to fall. Okay? In the fall, the tree is going to fall, you know, opposite of whichever way I'm chopping, right? So if I'm chopping on the right, it's going to fall left. <sighs> I guess the biggest question is, these planes hit these buildings. I'm not going to sit there and say it was CGI, it was holograms, there was a plane flying next to it. The fact of the matter is, whether you want to pretend this was a Operation North, Northwoods, that's it, Northwoods. If you want to pretend it's Operation Northwoods and there's nobody on these planes and there were drones, okay, we can talk about that. Um that would entail that the government actually gives a shit that people were going to die. So I think personally that these planes, it's not like nowadays. It's not like when you fly nowadays, you're on a full plane. You ever notice, like we went to San Antonio last year and uh, our flight back got canceled. Lovely. So we had to fly from San Antonio to Dallas to meet up with like I think four four or five or whatever other flights that were flying into Dallas to go to Tampa because they wanted a full plane back in the day when we didn't have fuel issues and all this other bullshit that we're dealing with nowadays they would fly a plane <laughs> if a plane had a capacity of like 200 whatever passengers if there was 80 people on that plane they didn't give a shit they'd fly that plane okay which a lot of these planes weren't necessarily filled to capacity. Which, ironically, helped in a sense lower keep the, the death count down. So, I'm not going to go down the route of cell phone towers and, and uh, phones on planes and all that bullshit. I'm going to say this. These flights, these four flights, had real people on them. And I think they were really hijacked. And I think these people really died. I think things around all of these situations entailed our intelligence agency. Can a plane take down a tower? No. No. I mean, by all accounts, no. Did a plane hit the Pentagon? We'll talk about that Friday. And I'm going to talk more about the Twin Towers because I have a lot of video to roll for you did the plane crash in Pennsylvania by all accounts I would say no it's a good story it's a good story to say that these people on the plane overtook the the terrorist and the plane crashed it's a good story, it's a good feel good story it's Americans trying to be American and da da da, sounds great the actuality of that story is more than likely that plane was shot down by our government which do you fault them I don't know I mean I don't know but as far as the other three planes the Twin Towers and the Pentagon we'll get into that on Friday because I got a lot of stuff to talk about concerning that stuff but just know that our government did know 
something was going to happen that these people, these people that they know after the fact were going to be involved, were involved. They knew. They didn't necessarily know it was going to happen on September 11th, but they knew. And I'm going to tell you why I think they knew, other than what I just told you about Able Danger. I'm going to talk about... I'm going to have structural engineers talk about how this isn't possible. I'm going to talk about eyewitnesses of the things they saw the day of that were that were interviewed the day of, not a month later, a year later, six years later. This was when the shit was happening. It's fresh in their memory. And then I'm going to tell you about what happened to a lot of these people. Then we're going to go down the road of... Of uh, trying to see what I got here. We're going to go down the road of the person who owned the Twin Towers. And what his role in this whole situation was. What was the importance of Tower 7 that wasn't hit by anything? What was the importance of the Pentagon being hit? Ideally... The, the story we're told about why these things were hit, right? We were told the Twin Towers because American capitalism, this is where the world trade or where the uh, stock market, you know, all this stuff, right? Pentagon, that's your defense, da-da-da. The fourth plane, they don't know if it was going to the Capitol or the White House, but it was going to destroy the... the, the, the. <sighs> I think, and I think that's kind of why that fourth plane was shot down. Because you could say, well, Don, if they let it hit the towers and they let it hit the Pentagon, why wouldn't they just let that one go? Well, we'll we'll talk about the Pentagon thing and we'll talk about the Twin Towers things. And I'll tell you why I think those targets were allowed to be hit versus the White House and or the Capitol building. And I think that's why it was shot down. They didn't necessarily give a shit about the Twin Towers or the Pentagon buildings, per se. And I'll tell you why. They definitely didn't want a plane hitting the White House or the Capitol. And I think that's why it was shot down. Because realistically, the way these planes were flying prior to anything being hit, at best, one tower should have gotten hit. At best. They needed two. All right, guys, with that being said, that's all I got for today. I'll be back on Friday. We can continue this talk about why I think the shit happened the way it did and why our government was involved, but they didn't necessarily pull the plug. Well, uh, maybe they did. Anyway, guys, make sure you follow us on social media at Don't Turn on America on Facebook, Instagram, and the Ticker Talker. And uh, check us out on uh, the web at DontTreadOnAmerica.com. We're also on the Twitter X machine at DTOM underscore 1775. Like I said, if you have anything to add to the conversation, if you listen to this before Friday, please send it my way. And also, guys, make sure you're sharing this with your friends. You follow the show, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And then make sure you check out the DTOM store before it is no more. And with that being said, guys, today is Wednesday, September 13th, 2023, and I will talk to you again on Friday.